You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Thanks for joining us for another QuickBooks Power Hour. Today we're going to be talking about multiple managing multiple payments, actually managing single payment methods across multiple sales channels. <laughs> so there's a singular multiple uh, mix in here um, with our guest uh, bookkeep, as well as a surprise uh, <laughs> never before attempted on the live QB Power Hour. Uh, we're going to be uh, bringing somebody in via satellite, uh, actually. Hopefully, um, uh, Don uh, Brolin was supposed to join us, but uh, the dumpster fire that is uh air traffic or air travel <laughs> these days uh, had other plans. And uh, so what we did was we actually recorded a little session with her yesterday. And so we're going to intermingle her uh, throughout uh, throughout the presentation because she has uh, she's a really um, she's a she's a she's a great proponent or a promoter of, of bookkeep um, and the way that it's affected her her practice. And I wanted to get her her perspective uh, on this as well. So uh, let's go ahead and move on. Michelle, who are you? And what are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle Long, CPA with an MBA in entrepreneurship. Glad to have you guys all joining me. Um, as you know, I'm the owner of Long for Success and happy to have you guys all joining us here today and glad to be back. I took a few weeks off to go down to Ecuador uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, my first time down there. Had a great time, but very glad to be back and to see you all here and joining us today. Dan, go ahead. And glad to have you back, if I may say so myself. Uh, my name is Dan DeLong, owner of Dan With. I worked at Intuit for about 18 years, your co-host today, uh, as well as the co-host of the Workshop Wednesday over at School of Bookkeeping and doing the tech, technical editing for the QBO Dummies, uh, QBO for Dummies uh, series of, of books. And uh, joining us through YouTube <laughs> is uh, is Dawn. So let's let Oops. I don't know why my phone uh, just decided to interrupt here, but let's here try. QB Power Hour. There's nothing better than to hang out with great professional friends like you and Michelle, as always. And so for those of you who may not know me, my name is Dawn Brolin. I'm a certified public accountant, a certified fraud examiner, and the author of The Designated Motivator for Accounting Professionals. And I'm really excited to be here today to talk about multi-channel payments and keeping an eye out for the danger zones that are out there. And I'm hoping we can provide you with some amazing content. I happen to be in the air right now. Well, technically not, I guess, but I'm in the air as I'm tra doing some vacation traveling, but I wouldn't want to miss an, a moment of QB Power Hour. So uh, hopefully I'll be in the chat being able to answer questions, but really excited about this topic. So Dan and Michelle, thank you so much for having me today. Hey, Dan, thanks Whoops. so much for having me here. On <laughs> and we love her so, so much. Nice. She She's here a, again. She wanted <laughs> yeah. to say it twice. Uh, uh, Jason's joining us from uh, from Bookkeep. Why don't you uh, yes. give us a little Ben uh, and Bradstreet about yourself? My background, uh, I've been a small business entrepreneur for a long time, started uh, uh, long, and but before that, appropriately here, I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, on the actually on accounting side or accounting software side. Uh, and then I opened a grocery store, wine store. So I've been a small business owner. Uh, I always have done my books through all of that. Um, and uh, I started a point of sale company back in 2008 called Shopkeep because I was so frustrated with the point of sale available to small businesses 
uh, point of sale being your most important accounting uh, software tool in a, in a retail restaurant. Um, and uh, that experience has led me to start Bookkeep, where we are helping automate the data entry of accurate financials from point of sale, e-commerce, payment systems, because it's becoming really, really hard to manage it manually these days. And, and that's what we do at Bookkeep. And we'll talk more about that today. Is there any solution, Jason, that doesn't have the word keep in it that you yeah. associate? <laughs> I, I, I decided to keep it simple and, uh, and get those domains wherever I could get it. But uh, bookkeep is uh, is is the best, I think. Yeah, somebody in the, the chat said, uh, keeping it real. Right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. So uh, a little bit of the details about the QB Power Hour. It's every other Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, whatever time zone that is for you. Unfortunately, still not eligible for CPE. So uh, just you're joining us because you're joining us. That's awesome. Um, some of the uh, upcoming topics. So um, I'm gonna, it's my turn to go abroad. Uh, so next time, uh, Michelle is going to be flying solo, but also having a, a special co-host for, for her to help. Uh, she, she did a class at Scaling New Heights about the year-end cleanup and the books review. Uh, so she's going to be revisiting that the next time on the Power Hour. Uh, and then in September, um, around the time that uh, 2023, QuickBooks Desktop 2023 will be released, uh, we'll go kind of go through some of the some of the new features. Um, it, I was actually surprised when we got our little preview um, that these that there, there's, there's more than a handful this time. So, so desktop is not dead. They're actually uh, still developing and, and adding new things and not just carrying over things from QuickBooks Online like last year. Uh, so they actually created some new things, uh, so some things to, that, that we'll be talking about in uh, September. And then uh, everybody loves spreadsheets, especially the accountants and bookkeepers. So uh, we'll be having uh, Jonathan Bellow joining us uh, on the, at the end of September with uh, Trevor Lee from uh, Genius Sheets. Uh, to talk about some of the things that you can do inside of QuickBooks and some of the things that you might need to add on uh, when you're working in spreadsheets uh, inside of QuickBooks uh, online. You can always go to the website. Uh, we've got some website uh, updates for you. Um, if you go uh, go there and uh, take a look at the upcoming events, um, tried to make it a little simpler because, uh, you know, our, our, um, our schedule has been uh, very fluid, <laughs> I guess is a nice way to put it. Uh, sometimes we need to uh, pivot and change things. So it's best easiest, easiest for you to take a look at what is coming up uh, by looking at the um, uh, at our website because we'll we'll keep that more readily updated uh, than you know putting things uh, on your calendar. So you can always check out the the, the latest topics on the QB Power Hour website. A little bit of housekeeping: if you have. Uh, uh, technical questions or topical questions about what it is that we're talking about here today, uh, please put them in the Q&A so that we can uh, capture them. If we especially have to take that, take that offline, we can follow up with you a lot easier than if you put them in the chat, uh, which uh, I've also noticed that uh, it was disabled. But now the, now the chat is open. Uh, I can see, <laughs> see that people are, are using it. Um, and then also we have the, the handouts um, on our uh, the link in the oh, yeah, I should put in the, the link for the for today's handouts uh, as well in the in the chat, which I'll do uh, in a moment when Don talks again, <laughs> um, as well as uh, you know, the resources page will have all of the, uh, the handouts available uh, on the QB Power Hour website. So our agenda today. 
Uh, we're going to talk a lot first, uh, a little bit first about uh, the difference between sales channels and payment methods. Um, you know, because there's some sales channels or some payment methods that are kind of blurring the line between what they are. And um, the way we're going to handle this is is Dawn is going to actually uh, kind of kick us off with the with the discussion uh, through uh, through the recorded session that we did last uh, yesterday. Uh, and then uh, Jason and Michelle and I will will just kind of kind of talk through that uh, kind of like as a as a discussion. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about just what is Square uh, because it's one of those things that kind of sits on both sides of the sales channel versus the payment method uh, uh, solution. Uh, some of the dangers uh, that we've uh, we've seen over the years of of living in the bank feeds. Um, and then the challenges of using the same pay payment method in multiple places. And then Dawn will give us her, her perspective of how she found Bookkeep and, and how it's helped her practice. So let's start off with, with Dawn. Mm -hmm. The different merchant processors that we have are great because people want to get paid however they can get paid. But a merchant processor, ultimately, at the end of the day, is just moving money. So a merchant processor moves money, it's cash flow, where a sales channel is the revenue channel. And the revenue is different than the cash flow. And I think that that's the confusion people have. So they think ultimately, I'm going to bring my Stripe transactions in through the bank feeds. And what ends up happening there is the true sale itself, again, regardless of where it's coming from, the sale itself is not being recorded properly. So we're seeing people treat merchant accounts like sales accounts when really, in fact, it's a method of payment, just like maybe cash or a check, you know, whether it's PayPal, whether it's Stripe, whether it's Square, it doesn't matter. Those are merchant processors. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we record that revenue properly. And again, why we talked about the bank feeds and the ability to match transactions, if you're bringing them directly in and you go into the bank feeds, you think you're recording, that's, oh, that's where I record revenue. No. That's where cash flow happens. But at the end of the day, being able to bring true transactions, sales, revenue transactions is the right way. Because we know if you've ever dealt with having to reconcile merchant statements, you know, you may have sales on one day and they compile them, you know, maybe two days in a row and it comes in as one. The sales truly happened each day. The way the money is moved is a separate transaction. And that's why it's a huge danger for people to think that revenue posting through a bank feed is correct. It is, it is the absolute opposite. With regards to, for instance, PayPal is a great example. You know, we have clients who are just taking payments or sending payments. And all of a sudden they figure out this invoicing part. And so they're, they're, they're shifting just so that they can get paid. Right. So they'll open multiple sales channels, which and then the processor comes through one processor. You've got to track those sales channels in a different way than, again, you know, you may be selling something online and your, pay, your payment processing is PayPal or you're sending invoices because you're doing some services on top of that or whatever it may be. And it's all coming through PayPal. Now you're not recording a service revenue versus a sales revenue you know, of a merchandise, let's just say. Um, and maybe you think that you know, a lot of business owners just they just go out and they're just trying to make money. And they don't realize the impact and the consequence of, well, I've got this sales and what I'm doing is I'm maybe I'm a contractor and I'm installing um, equipment or doing something like that. But yet at the same time, I'm also selling parts over here that I've got in storage and inventory that I want to get rid of. And so they don't realize the impact of the accounting on that is significant because, number one, maybe the service is taxable, but the sales aren't. 
And so, or vice versa, right? And so what we end up happening is now we have an understatement of sales tax or we have a totally incorrect sales tax. But because we've been in that complacency of bank fees, it's just sales, who cares? That's where we, that's where we have to, we have to sharpen our pencils, I think is the, that's the answer at the end of the day. Take that red pencil and sharpen it. Yeah, that was a lot of information to kind of, uh, different. Ah, there we go. <laughs> a lot of information to digest. Um, and there was just some of the things of the basic idea is that the, the difference between uh, a, a sales channel and, and a payment processor. And this, this slide, I think, kind of summarizes the mess that, that, uh, that, that it could potentially cause. Uh, Jason, you want to kind of talk us through <laughs> all of these logos that you have on here? Uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, we built this slide to kind of show the, the complexity and one and um and I kind of grouped them together to make it clear like the hybrid sales and payment channels are Shopify does payments as well as it's a sales system Stripe also does the same a lot of delivery apps that you see um, are sales and payment systems um, as well as hybrids and and then you've got e-commerce systems like a WooCommerce doesn't really do payments. They usually connect shop uh, a Square. Uh, well, they can do Square, but usually it's PayPal or Stripe um, and big commerce as well. They usually let you pick your own payment method. So those are more sales systems. Um, and then at the bottom here, you've got you know pure payment systems as well as the merchant processors that we all know that have been around forever. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different things. And e-commerce marketplaces generally handle the payments for you as well. They don't uh, they do the sales and the payments. So it you have to understand what the system is. And a lot of times they will also pay the sales tax for you, which is something else that gets com complicated, but we're going to go into a little more of that in the next couple of slides. Yeah. Michelle, what do you, uh, what do you take away from what Don said there? I, I think it's a great way that Don, you know, pulled it apart like that because it's easy to just talk about sales, but sales could encompass a lot of things like she mentioned sales taxes, but also, and, and I, I know we're going to mention this in a minute, it could also encompass things like deposits or some other things, you know, that are coming in with the sales that aren't really sales that need to be accounted for separately, including the taxes and other things like that. So I think it's good to identify those things and keep them separately. And along with the payments, things that need to be kept separately that we're going to talk about like fees and things like that. So it's much more complex than just one thing and, and, and digging into those details, Don, you know, clearly pulls that out. And I think that's a good way to, to just initially separate them out as sales and the payments, mm -hmm. you know, and help separate them. And now, you know, we're going to dig deeper into it. So I think this is very helpful. And somebody asked in the, the Q and a, can we get a printout of this listing? Yeah. You can go to our, uh, go to the the QB Power Hour website. I put the link in the in the chat. I'll I'll do it again uh, in the in the Q and A uh, so that you have it. Um, I think Michelle is doing that too. Yep, I just <laughs> okay. yeah. That, Perfect. There's, there's the link. Perfect. Um, but yeah, this um, you can you can just download the the handouts and then you know kind of print it out for yourself and you know play pin the tail on the on the sales channel or <laughs> or some game of yeah. maybe. Uh, kind of like a, a, what am I thinking of? Like a those cop shows where they have all the strings, you know, right. <laughs> connected to, you know, usual suspects and that sort it's of sort of thing. Because they integrate with each other. A lot of these, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and and some people who end up, um, you know, just trying to make the simplicity of it, they end up 
you know, kind of living in the bank feed or, or counting a deposit, um, you know, as as the, the net of the deposit as as revenue. And, and Jason, I think you have. Oh, we have a uh, we have a poll first. So yeah, uh, first poll question is how many sales channels chan- channels? How that <laughs> I can't say. How? Oops, I got. Let me make sure I'm on the right one. There we go. How many sales channels? your clients use use um, and that could be you know a some hybrids or um, or just a pure pure sales channels um, and this this is where I see it, it getting somewhat complex with some of these small business clients is all of a sudden they start saying oh I'm gonna use Venmo and I'm gonna use cash app and I'm gonna use this and I mean and all of a sudden they start wanting to use everything just because they can whereas mm-hmm. you know I think it's helpful to try to focus them and not let them do that. You know, they just, because all these are out there, they just want to start using everything. And I think that's counterproductive. Um, what are your all thoughts to that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, to Don's point of what you said there is like, they're, they're just trying to get paid. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That's the problem is you can't really stop them. They're going to use whatever <laughs> yeah. they're going to use uh, yeah. often. And the clients don't usually ask you, hey, do you mind if I start using this system or I'm going to use this system? You just see it. You end up seeing the deposits uh, or uh, <laughs> and then you get to have to work backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, sometimes they just show up like uh, and, and I think last time you came on, uh, Jason, you were talking about, you know, Square offering uh, a, a savings account, like, you know, they, 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 dis- they discover these things, you know, as they're using them. And then you, you yeah. know, to your point, they, you, they just show up like, where did this come from? Right. You know, like well, uh, what happens with that? Sezzle, Square, you know, yeah, Square, Square and Shopify, as an example, they have a debit card. Uh, Square also has savings accounts. So in this discussion, when those things are enabled, you no longer get deposits. So your bank feed is useless because the money is being kept at Square. Um, we handle that at Bookkeep for you uh, for the most part, but Square doesn't share that information with us either. So uh, it actually, I, it, if you can stop your client from using the Square savings account or debit card, it will help your your it'll help your day because uh, uh, it's really it's really frustrating right now until they make it available in the API. Yeah, that's that's the nugget for today. If you yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know that Square had a, a savings account, uh, now you do. Yeah. And if you have a client on Square, don't have them sign up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can, yeah, and the loans. Now I'm going to share the results here. It looks like most people are in the one to three uh, category, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have up to ten, and there's a, a couple mm-hmm. people with. <laughs> 11 to, to 20 oh my range. Goodness. So certainly gets um yeah pretty complicated the more and it's it's kind of like when you have kids right like it's when you have <laughs> one sales channel it's it's okay but <laughs> it's not it's not just like when you add the second child it's, it's double the work it's like exponentially more and then each sales channel that you add on top of that it's like you're you're drowning and then somebody hands you a baby right <laughs> <laughs> yep yep so, so yeah, you know, yeah, you want this, to... uh, this idea about uh, deposits, um, you know, yeah. So let's let's talk with start with Don, and I think we uh, we mm-hmm. move into the this whole idea of uh, a deposit is not revenue, which uh, we'll, we'll unpack that. I used to love the bank feeds initially because it was better than entering data. Like at least it was better. It gave us an opportunity to start to 
attempt to automate everything that happens within our businesses. But I think over time, we've realized that, okay, bank feeds may be good for a couple things, but really at the end of the day, especially when it comes to revenue, the bank feed that comes in is not giving us that true transaction, that true gross up of a sale, right? And so, and then the fees or deductions or sales tax or other things that may be happening within those different payment processors, such as Square or, um, you know, any PayPal or any of those other merchant transaction processors, we're not getting those actual transactions accurately into QuickBooks by using bank fees. And I think we've become complacent in a little bit of a way in our industry that we assume that, oh, bank fees is going to do everything. We just create a bunch of rules and we go off and have coffee or go to a softball game. But that's not the case. So I, you know, we know over time that that was good in the beginning, maybe, but I think it slipped us into this, this, you know, lull of assuming it's all correct. So, you know, before bookkeep came along, at least for me, that's the way I was treating the transactions. And I realized that was just the opposite way. And as a CPA, I felt kind of stupid. I'll be honest with you, Dan. So it's kind of like, um, you know, bank feeds is, is a danger zone and we can become too complacent. I think that's the message. I think the matching is what we should be relying upon in bank feeds. The match is almost like the new reconciliation of sorts, even though I know we always want to go through the reconciliation process. But I think that at the end of the day, the transactions that come into the bank feeds should already be existing in your file. And really what you're doing is just kind of verifying, yeah, that's right, or this is right. And, you know, sometimes we do see errors in in transactions that may be coming in natively as opposed to through bank feeds that we see that maybe there's an error. And that's where you get the ability to research and figure out maybe what went wrong. But at the end of the day, bank feeds should just, you should be going in there and just matching all the transactions. Your bank account uh, should always be what matches the bank, what's in your QuickBooks file. And really bank feeds should absolutely be for matching. So that is, um, you know, one of the, come on, go through there. <laughs> so, so Jason, you have this, you have this concept and you have a, a YouTube video about it as well, mm-hmm. about uh, deposit is, is not revenue. Let's talk a lot. Unpack that right. for us. My very exciting YouTube video uh, <laughs> about deposits are not revenue, but uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the same thing that we've been discussing here. Um, the, it, one thing that Don didn't mention, um, and I've been in retail for so long, it used to be that you would get your credit card deposits every day. And that was the gross amount. It was in, included the tips. It, it, it did not have fees taken out of it. Um, and then your fees would come out at the end of the month. So it was pretty easy to match what was deposited to what you expected for your sales and sales tax. You still have to, to book them separately. But it's gotten more complicated now. Uh, and if you go to the next slide, it Square obviously is huge. And a lot of people use Square because it's easy and it works really well. And uh, and Square sort of started this trend of taking the fees out every single day. So now you might not know what the fees are. And a lot of systems like PayPal, you don't always know what the fees are. Uh, the fees are taken out before your money hits the bank the next day. So now you can't even sort of estimate what was, you know, the sales plus sales tax, because now there's some percentage of fees taken out, which is not always clear exactly what that is. So you can't even estimate without having direct access to the data. Square also takes money out for loans. If you get a loan payment with Square and there's like four or five clicks to go and find that report to see what was the principal and interest. Um, And now with the new payment, uh, the debit card that Square has, as an example, they uh, they actually stop making deposits to your bank account, but they um, uh, also take those out of your deposits as well. 
So that's what's in your deposit. And we'll show you here in a second, sort of an example of that. If, um, if you go to the next page, you know, this, the other thing is, um, this is what Don touched on is revenue types are more varied. So it, uh, you know, you can't just look at your bank feed and understand that this was service sales versus product sales versus, you know, some one-off sale that we did, you know, uh, for, for whatever reason that you can't just always, you can't get that information from the banking feed. Um, there's a lot of different things that that can come in uh, as well as uh, uh, sometimes there's adjustments on payments, maybe payments were done late. So you can't always just decide from the bank feed what the proper booking is for those uh, uh, for those deposits. And 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 on the next slide, um, you'll see that uh, we have uh, a lot more things being deposited too. Which, which a lot of this we know, uh, sales tax, credit card tips are becoming a bigger deal. It used to be just restaurant. Uh, the credit card tips were usually paid out, and but now with Square, you've got so many other businesses that are accepting tips and tips are part of those deposits and understanding what those deposits, what part of the deposits is tips versus sales minus fees gets really complicated. And then of course, bottle deposits and gift cards have been around. Um, and then there's a lot of different fees that can come out of those deposits. Now, as they're, as the payment processors are getting smarter, they want their money the same day. They don't want to wait till the end of the month. They're taking a lot of different fees out, including loan fees. Um, and so uh, the bank feed is not going to show that. It's going to show you know money. The total, the total is less than what you're expected because of these fees. So, so what you know, the the best practice for um, it, touching on what Don said as well is the, the deposits really should be matched. The deposits really should be uh, a check against what you've already booked as sales. And you should know what you're expecting for those deposits before the deposits hit so that you can match them um, and know, yep, I booked all my sales on the day that it happened and the deposit will come tomorrow or the next day. And when it matches to what I'm expecting, then I've reconciled that sales day. I mean, it's basically a daily reconciliation when you're matching in the bank feed uh, to the sales that were posted uh, the previous day or, or previous couple of days. Yeah, and the um, I mean, if you're you're talking about Square and and made me think about you know like Amazon has taken it to the nth degree mm -hmm. because not only do they not deposit you know daily or two days later, it's now two weeks later. Yes, and the and those settlements reports are just a summarization of all of the ever all of the fees that yeah. they include, and it's so maddening to try to back the, back yeah, those that, things out. It's totally true. And that and and that's actually brings up an important point. The way we handle Amazon is we will book your sales every single day. We will book a sales entry. You know, best practice is to book daily sales entries because um for many, many reasons, you know, one of them is because you want to do daily comparisons. If you're using multiple sales tools, your real source of truth is QuickBooks. If I'm selling on Amazon, I'm selling on Shopify, and I have a store that also does Square, my source of truth is QuickBooks. If I'm not booking daily sales from all three systems into my QuickBooks, how am I going to go look back and say, what was our sales the day before Thanksgiving? I'm going to have to go look in three systems. And even then it's going to be hard to figure that out. You know, you want to be able to book daily so you can do comparisons. And also because clients eventually switch systems, you know, they're, you know, they stop using Amazon and there's, there's all kinds of reasons that you really want to use, do daily sales bookings and then reconcile to the deposits.
All right. So we're going to now throw uh, another poll question out there. How many, we talked about the different sales channels. Uh, now, how many payment platforms are, are you seeing in, in your practice? Is it same, same uh, categories, uh, one to three or, or four, four to 10, uh, just, you know, because to, to Don's point earlier, they, uh, you know, the customer is just getting paid and they're not going to not, you know, want to get paid. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, setting up a, a Shopify customer and then all of a sudden, uh, I started to get deposits to Sezzle. I'm like, what is that? And like, where, <laughs> where did that come from? And it's, you know, he just, he just turned it on because, you know, somebody wanted to uh, take uh, installment payments and, instead of, you know, paying it all, paying all at once. So uh, we just had to learn what, what that is after he had turned it on. <laughs> so Jason, I have, I have a question for you. Where, Where's sales tax? Where's the truth for sales tax? Is right. it in this? Is it in the the e-commerce um, application for for recording the sales, or is it going to be in QuickBooks for the sales? That gets a little complicated. Uh, if you're using multiple sales channels, I definitely recommend using um, TaxJar or some. Uh, there's many tools out. There's a few okay. tools out there. That's uh, and that's really what I wondered. Yeah, yeah, because even. Still, once you get everything into QuickBooks, you, you want to make sure it's actually reconciled to those systems before you pay your sales tax. Um, but that's another reason why you want to be booking dailies. Your sales tax is due mm -hmm. on a cruel basis, period. You have to pay your sales tax based on what you sold that month. I don't care if you're cash-based or accrual-based. If you're, if you're selling stuff on these systems, you're accrual. Uh, so you need to have your dailies in and you need to have, you know, Amazon as an example. If you wait until you get your deposit, you know, you're not going to know what, you know, is due by the end of December, you know, or the end of end of the month. So what we recommend is that you get, you know, the source of truth is those sales systems that did the collection. And then you check that against QuickBooks to make sure it's the same in QuickBooks before you pay it. Um, because, you know, your e-commerce systems and your sales systems, like a point of sale system, they are not, they're designed to not allow you to change data. You can't change transactions. I mean, Shopify a little bit, you can, right. which is kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, but really, you once a sale is made to a credit card, that data doesn't go away. So the, those are real, the real source of truth on what actually happened. Whereas in QuickBooks, you know, an entry can get deleted or someone didn't enter the entry. So you always want to do a reconciliation between the two before you pay your sales tax. That's gotcha. how I recommend thank, thank you. All right, so let's. Uh, we we mentioned this uh, elephant in the room of of Square. Uh, talk a little bit about this because this is one of those things that is one of those hybrid payment processors, not just as a a payment processor that you can add to you know a sales channel to you know to process the payment, but they can also uh, have a point of sale system, or um, you know you can do invoicing out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think still sometimes you know PayPal is definitely a payment method that is always the secondary one if they're in e-commerce. They they always have PayPal in addition, um, which can be really uh, frustrating because PayPal is very difficult to work with. <laughs> what uh, now? What do you find? Which which do you prefer to work with? Do you prefer to work with something like a, a Square or PayPal, or does it make not I a mean, difference if you're if you're using them as payment methods across multiple sales channels? Uh, to, uh, well, to us, uh, we will work with all of them. Uh, and you know, the more complicated they get, the, the more I have a job, 
but um, because it's really getting very hard to stay on top of it. But, um, you know, like I said, clients are going to use what they're going to use. They're going to use the ones that are cheaper. They're going to use the ones that get them paid faster or get them the sale, actually the sale in real time. So if, if it becomes really easy on Instagram to buy something with one click, then they're going to use that. So we all have to be able to support those needs um, and properly account for it. But then also properly tell our clients, yeah, you've been using that Instagram, you know, fake button that I've made up in my head here to, to, to make sales. Did you realize Instagram's charging you 15%? You know, you want to be as the, as your advisor to your clients, being able to tell them that within a short period of time. And that's where we're trying to help you really get those things booked in real time so that you have those numbers to be able to show your clients what's going on. So this example that you have of, of Square, you have the sales plus the liabilities minus the fees, minus the loan payments, minus the debit card expense, <laughs> minus yeah. the savings, then there's your deposit. So that's yeah. that's just in, in one fell swoop. Um, yeah. You know, what how happens. you and don't want to live in the in the bank feed for the deposit. Uh, and, to, to and, actually, and actually, one other little thing on that Square debit card, if they do enable the debit card, you won't get deposits daily anymore. You actually, the client, your your client will have to press a button and do a transfer of funds because basically, when you enable the debit card in Square, it turns Square into a checking account, so uh, it doesn't no longer moves money into your other checking account. So you end up doing transfers. So we account for that by booking daily fees, uh, you know, your payment processing fees out of that account, and we keep a balance account. We treat every one of your payment platforms. Um, every payment system as a balance account. What is owed, just like a checking account. Here's what is expected to be deposited. Uh, here's what was deposited. And so you can keep a balance of what's going on in these other accounts that are not typical checking accounts. Now, this is this is the conundrum, right? The sales is happening daily, but the mm-hmm. deposits are hitting, you know, days later. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, changing the tires on a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. How do you How do you actually account for that? Right. So the, and this is something, I mean, this is best practice. I learned this 2004, like 18 years ago when I opened my wine store, just from using QuickBooks and using Microsoft RMS, which was the, you know, one of the best point of sale systems around. It was, it was, it'd been around for, for 10 or 20 years before I started in retail. And what that system did and what, what you did in retail is you booked your sales summary every day into your accounting platform. Your Z report, it's basically the sales summary, sales, sales tax, what was paid in credit cards, what was paid in cash, what was paid in checks. You book that every single day into your accounting platform and the expected deposits from your different payment methods would go into you know, undeposited funds accounts, which we like to call balance accounts. Um, and, and that is the best practice, which is quite time consuming to do manually and da- you know, daily. Um, and, and that's basically what we, what we automate with bookkeeping. So this is a this is an example of yeah. Uh, I put this little square example. Deposit. Yeah, I put this little example together to kind of give you an idea using just a t uh, a t chart here. Um, so if you look at on the left side in the red, a square deposit, what you would see in the bank fee from Square is nine hundred dollars and fifty cents, right? And what we would book as an entry against that is. Uh, we would gross it up to be, well, we expected $1,000 from Square, but then Square took out $29 in fees, and then they took out $70 in your loan payment. So you end up with $900.50 in your bank account. But there's an entry that happened the day before this. 
and that's on the right side. And that's the entry of your sales. So you actually had gross sales of $1,000 on that day. Uh, you discounted that $100 and you had $50 in returns. You collected $100 in sales tax and $50 in tips. The total of that equals $1,000 that we expect Square to give us. And that's the reconciliation between the in that balance account where you are creating a sales entry the day before, which is on the right side, expecting $1,000. And then on the left side, you actually got your deposit of $900.50 which then balances to what I expected was $1,000, but then there was also fees and stuff taken out, out of that deposit. So it's a two-step process to do it accurately, uh, but this is exactly what, what Bookkeep does automatically for you. And so then what you would see when you see your deposit, if you're using Bookkeep is, it's just a, a match. It'll actually, in the bank feed, it'll, you'll see the $900.50, it'll say match, you'll see the journal entry name from, from, from Bookkeep, and you'll know that, that that deposit matches what was expected. So you can get out of the bank feed uh, and just let it uh, let it match, which then you know, as Don was saying, then that that is now just your 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 new reconciliation. Yes. <laughs> when things are just when things are just matching, you know, rather than you actually doing some bookkeeping from the bank feed. Yes, I I believe you know it. I actually just heard this term uh, today pre pre accounting. It, it's sort of. All of these entries should be posted before they hit your bank account and your bank account. So when you're looking at your bank feed on a daily basis, you are actually doing a daily reconciliation. You are actually doing the steps that you might want to, you might do at the end of the month, but at the end of the month, when you go to look at your reconciliation in QuickBooks, it's going to be perfect. You know, ideally every day is just click matches in your bank feed. And at the end of the month, when you go to that reconcile bank account, everything's already checked off and, the, and it says zero difference. I mean, that's really, you know, I don't think it's ever happened to me yet, but there's always, <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I do my own book still. One but, can dream. Um, but it is the dream. But that is where we're trying to get with Bookkeep on the revenue side. And uh, and eventually we will also uh, uh, help on the expense side as well in, in the same regard. One thing I just, I, I just pointed out at that example that you just gave, Jason, is Look how much is missed, how, how Don was saying, if we just booked that deposit as revenue of $1,000, look how much we missed there. Mm -hmm. Well, that would actually be the nine, $950. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay, yeah, the <laughs> 900.50. If we just booked that as a revenue, look how yeah. much we missed there. You yeah. know, so that's where it's a very good example of you got to get out of the bank feed and get into all this detail. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, sometimes it's... um. Uh, it's it's a tough conversation with, uh, with with clients at times, you know, because I, I had a, a coffee roaster uh, who was using Square uh, at, at farmers markets as well as a Shopify site, and you know he just had a variety of different ways. Um, and of course, this is you know dealing with inventory, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, I just I just have a post as the net there, you know." I'm mm -hmm. like, Stop. <laughs> you know, right. it's just <laughs> how do you you're misrepresenting you your revenue convince? too? If you want to get yep. loans, you're you're lowering right. your revenue. Um, mm -hmm. and but but you know, and it happens, and I know people on this call in the they're just like, I'm just overwhelmed with this client and I just can't, you know, I can't get the detail they need. So it's just it's just end up being what happens. You you just book it as revenue sometimes because it's the easiest thing to do, and the client's not paying you enough and you know, I think over time it'll change with automation, which will make it easier for everyone and, and then more accurate for everyone. 
All right. So now we're going to kind of pivot here to to Don. I think I found the most embarrassing uh, freeze frame of <laughs> of mm. Don here on the on this YouTube. But she has this thing, uh, this concept called a uh, starting lineup. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit with Don about what what that means uh, for her. I wrote the book, The Designated Motivator for Accounting Professionals, because I have worked really hard over the last three years to solidify my tech stack, to minimize my interaction with data on a manual level so that I can be on the softball field. So that's a passion of mine. I figure you know, I'm 52. I don't want to regret not going back and enjoying the, the game of softball and in helping others enjoy it as well. So I knew that I needed to take charge of my business and say, okay, what are the aspects of a practice? What do you, what do I need for the things I'm doing for my clients? What technology do I need to, to implement where it will integrate, where it will solve problems without me being in the office? And so I set myself up in a way that I decided my firm has positions just like a softball team. So we have, you know, first base, you can't, you can't play softball if you don't have a pitcher, just so people don't know softball, that doesn't work out. If you don't have a first baseman, there's no one there to catch the ball. Everyone's always going to get to first. I mean, you all understand that whether it's baseball, softball, or any other sport, you don't have a quarterback, you don't have much of a team because the guy's hiking to nobody. So I realized that you know, I need to have a practice management solution. Obviously I do tax, so I have to have a tax solution. I need a way to, to get the tax returns to my clients electronically and not through, obviously through email or through paper. I don't want to print, print returns, things like that. So I knew I needed certain things in my practice in order for it to run efficiently. I need e-signatures for 8879s. I need a way to communicate with my clients. I need a way to track my work. I need to be able to track our time. We do, we do some things still by the hour because we do IRS resolution. We have to have in our wheelhouse, we have to have the ability to pull transcripts. We need to be able to um, do things like process payroll. And so in recording clients' transactions, those are the things that help in an ecosystem of a tech stack that work if you implement it and, and, and put it together for yourself. Now, not everybody's going to use the tech stack I use. I just know it works for me so I can work 30 hours a week. And that's just what I want for my firm. Some people still want to grow, still want to you know grow uh, employees and staff. And I'm at a point now where I just want to have, we've got three people now. It used to be four. We sent one over as a Trojan horse to the IRS, which was worth it. And so um, I replaced him with technology. And I think that that's super important. So I, I, I really encourage people to define the positions within their firm. And if you don't know what they are, you know, you can go out and, and take a look at uh, my starting lineup. You'll see them. They're right there. And then fill in your blanks. Because without having that technology in place, you're always going to have to be hands up. So I wrote whoops. the book, The Designated Book. <laughs> so, um, Jason, do you know what position you play on uh, <laughs> a bookkeeper? It, it sounds like you're more of a catcher, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a baseball or softball player in general, but yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to capture, uh, um, maybe we're, we're out in, yeah, I'm not sure. That's a Dawn question. She, we're going to have to ask her. She's actually on the She's, chat. Uh, yeah, so, so maybe Don can uh, fill in what the uh, what position where, where bookkeeper fits in, in, <laughs> in that metaphor. I'm not sure, but um, on the on this slide here, um, you know, we just want to show that you know what bookkeeper does is all the ones on the left are the different sales and payment platforms. So we we capture proper accounting entries. The the other reason I started this company was 
it's just a frustration I've seen where software firms like a Square or Stripe or Shopify, they just don't understand, but more importantly, they don't care about accountants. They don't care or need to provide you with accounting numbers. They provide sales numbers, they create sales systems. And so what we do is we connect to these systems, we capture the numbers, we turn it into proper accounting numbers that everyone here understands in proper accrual format. Um, so we basically translate uh, from these software apps into accounting numbers. And, and we're adding more apps every day and we're trying to make it easier and easier to get um, every payment and software system on the left side onto our platform. We currently post into you know mostly QuickBooks Zero. Uh, we do have Nets, NetSuite that we're testing with and uh, we're working on getting uh, into more of them as well. Yeah, it looks like you're, uh, you're act, uh, going out to, to Don's website. Looks like you're playing second base. Second base. All right. <laughs> Lissio is the, or no, I'm sorry. Smart Vault is the catcher. I, I thought, you know, because everything was feeding into, you know, everything's right. being pitched to you that you would be the catcher. Maybe not. Maybe she's got a different thought about that. <laughs> not yet. We, not um, yet. Yeah, yeah. And There's I would, ju- I would just say, Don, Don, you know, is in the air on a flight right now. And she's informed me that she's done a workaround because they don't allow Zoom on the plane. So she can see us, um, but she can't hear us. She can't see the chat except for hosts and panelists. And she can see the Q&A. So I did see, send her a message asking her um, which position <laughs> you guys would play. But she's busy answering some other questions right now. So. She yeah, she is trying to help where she can, but she's got limited <laughs> Zoom access. So <laughs> that just that just speaks to the awesomeness that Dawn is. Dawn I mean, the fact is that she's trying to join us from a plane. She did, <laughs> she used SwissNet to get in and around oh, uh, oh, the really Zoom limitations. So she's brilliant. She's just yeah. brilliant. She's dedicated and brilliant. <laughs> All right. So. Um, so now we'll talk a little bit about Dawn um, through through here of how did Bookkeep, you know, how did you put uh, Bookkeep in in the starting line? And now Dawn's taking up all of the bandwidth. Well, I can tell you, you know, I go to, <laughs> we go to obviously a lot of conferences, Dan, we're always going to conferences. And when it comes to looking for technology, I'm usually on the outlook for new technology that I haven't seen yet. It's, it's not new, probably not even new technology, but it's just new to me. And when I first saw Bookkeep, the first thing I thought of was, you mean you're going to post the gross sale? That was the first thing I asked, because I have always been concerned about the bank feeds when it comes to the revenue side. And so, you know, obviously tested it out, saw how it automatically just grabbed. And I say, you know, I just set it and forget it for Don Brolin. So we set it up and we implement it and we're getting gross sales, we're tracking sales tax, we're making sure it matches between uh, the actual sales, is the sales tax correct? And we also, what I love probably the most is we get the email that tells us, okay, this many transactions were posted, there were no errors, they're all green, they're like green notifications, meaning greens go, we're good. And so I found that number one to give me peace of mind. I don't have to worry about if if one of my bookkeepers enters a journal entry correctly right? If they're recording revenue through a journal entry, book keeps doing that for us. And so now we're able to, we come into the bank feeds, we are seeing that we're able to do the match and not have to worry about categorizing. And for me in our firm, that's our goal. I tell Nicole all the time. I'm like, the moment you enter a transaction, you need to call me because that means we don't have a technology set up either properly or we are missing something so that we can have that bank feed match happen. 
And the other thing I think that's important and, and that I experienced, we had a, a little bit of a, a data issue on a hosting solution, not a data issue, but a, a hosting solution glitch, a, a little bit of a hack. And during the time and the transition, which this stuff happens, it's, it's, it seems to be happening more than often than not. But we found that we were worked up about a lot of our clients who were on desktop who didn't have necessarily the ability to do something like posting their revenue on a regular basis and, and so on. We had no concerns about the clients we had connected from Bookkeep into QBO from their various sales channels. And we had peace of mind that we could still move on and operate without really shifting our workload. And so Bookkeep, as we see them growing, as we see them evolving, and that's something Jason you know, might talk about, is, is just about how can it solve for all of that? So when I go into bank feeds, it always says match. That's like the dream. That's the dream. And so my journey with Bookkeep has just automated our sales recordings, allowing us to, to match the deposits, if you will, that come into the bank feeds. But we're confident and we understand that sales are recorded correctly. And, and that's probably the biggest thing for us. And it's, it really has been, has really put our minds at, at ease that our transactions for our clients are coming in correctly. Yeah, I think that, um, that speaks pretty, pretty, um, soundly of, of, of where, where, how you, I mean, I think you should be the catcher, uh, <laughs> this, this point, move over to, you know, you're going to be involved with every play at this, <laughs> at this case. Um, but well, the way that um, go ahead. Well, I can, here we go, <laughs> get to the right one. I don't know why it keeps wanting to play Dawn again. But <laughs> well, well, Dan, I was just going to say something there. Rachel said something in here. My two cents. Jason has a true understanding of the accounting. It is a true tech innovator, a very unique combo that I don't see very often. And I think she's really hit that nail on the head and everything. And I think that is what makes Bookkeep so amazing is I, I agree. Jason really understands the underlying problem with getting all this information in and understands the need of the underlying accounting, what it needs to be, what we need to account for and what it should be, how it should be coming in and everything. And that's why bookkeeping so amazing is he gets it. He knows what we need and what we, we need to have and everything. And he also got the tech side to where he can build it. Um, and so I think that's how bookkeep is so is so amazing for us so mm -hmm. you know jason I, I think it's a true testament to your you know your entrepreneurial intellect um to to create this for us i mean i think it's just great i i didn't know this would be a love fest but yes i, <laughs> I uh i appreciate that i but i yeah i i accounting i am i've been obsessed with accounting forever in my businesses and so you know taking and trying to help support it with software is was basically where I needed to go. So, so, and I start from the accounting angle. What is what is an accountant? How does an accountant think? Let's automate it that way. Not how does the software developer think? Uh, and you know, and then back into what does the accountant need from that? So, so yeah, we and we also you know our head of product is also a CPA. So um, we we have CPA. We have several other not not necessarily CPAs, but bookkeepers who work in house. Uh, as well that do testing and product development. So um, we are very different than a lot of other app developers in the space, I believe. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, think, and, yeah, go I, ahead, Dan. I think, I think that that is, uh, that's one of the things that I think that we, we appreciate most about, about you, Jason, is that 
the the fact that you you have lived the pain mm-hmm. and you're trying to spare others from it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have. I've cleaned up messed up books. I've cleaned you. Know, I also in the early days of bookkeep, I've cleaned up probably tens of thousands of square transactions from a client's books where square dumped every single sale into quickbooks which is completely wrong uh, i've met, i've i've been through the pain and i've been trying to fix it yep so this uh this screen here just kind of gives an example of uh, if you do have multiple sales channels you can connect them as as one entity what uh, what is what are we looking at here um, yeah this we is like inside of the the Basically, the platform. app. Yeah, you can connect multiple apps um, to one QuickBooks file, and that's the user interface here. And then e- each app, you have your own mapping template to decide how you want to book the sales summaries as well as the deposit entries. You know, to which accounts you want them booked to. But we set we set up the um, you know the proper accounting templates, the proper you know daily postings. You just have to map to the accounts. Um, we actually, for some of the connections, we will auto-generate accounts for you if you want us to. Uh, if you don't have the accounts or you don't not exactly sure how to set them up, but um, but each each connection you have the ability to map separately. One of the things that I think um, also you know separates Bookkeep from from others in this space uh, is is the ability to make edits. And if you do make changes to those templates, um, you can repost to the same transaction rather than uh, update, you know, pulling it back out, deleting it, finding it, unreconciling, unmatching it, you know, you can then just exactly well, existing transaction. Another huge frustration of mine with app developers who connect to QuickBooks and say, yeah, we've built a QuickBooks connection is... There's no link to what they just posted. There's no way to delete that posting. If you repost it, it posts twice. They just don't even understand what the day of work is involved for a bookkeeper or an accountant. And and everything's hidden. I mean, even our own payroll system. I click the button, post it to accounting, and it says post it on this date. Where? Where is the journal? Like, put me a link so I can see what was just posted because I know I have to edit it. You know, it's like... They just, they don't understand. And that just drives me nuts. And so we're trying to make it really easy for you to see what was posted. You can see if there's a new version posted. We always link and give you audit trail to the same entry. We never, we never duplicate. Um, And we have bulk postings. You can run history. You can connect Square and and post all of last year's entries. We we do charge extra for that, but um, you do have the ability to post historicals. Um, and you can run bulk jobs um, and bulk delete, uh, maybe not bulk deletes, but you can delete, you know, every entry that we posted from QuickBooks from our platform as well. So really bookkeep is, is kind of like, um, you know, a, a, a unification repository of all of these places. And then you can just send those over. Now, uh, one person, uh, I think you're, you're answering their question, but um, mm-hmm. if you could maybe just a- answer that live, you know, people are yeah. seeing bookkeep and they're like, this smells like X, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I can, I can just do it live for Cinder. Um, Cinder posts every single transaction and that's totally fine. If you have a client that's doing a few transactions, we, we really are, but, but even if you get to 10 transactions a day and I say, I mean, 10 orders or 10 sales, if you're in retail or restaurant, you're doing hundreds a day. If you're, if you're a big e-commerce seller, you're doing hundreds a day you cannot post every single transaction to QuickBooks because of course that's not going to reconcile to what you get deposited. We post sales summaries to what's expected from Shopify, for example, 
And then we post what Shopify deposited and it matches it up. So we do two entries for a day um, that is going to match to what hits your bank account. If you post every transaction, that is not going to match to what hits your bank account, um, especially with Shop Shopify, which is very, I mean, their, ba their batches are done uh, you know, on a weird time schedule that doesn't match U.S. time zones. Um, for A2X, we, I kind of look at them have done it a little bit differently. They started out with what's in my bank deposit, and they try and back into what the sales were. We think like accountants. What did I sell today? As an accountant, if you did a thousand dollars in sales today, that happened today. It doesn't matter if it hit your bank account. You're an accrual-based business. You did sales today. They must be in your books then make sure I got paid for them the next day. So we go that direction and we post dailies, whereas A2X does, um, they wait till the deposit day and then they they back into what the sales were and, and what range that sales was for. So those are the differences there, but they they both work well. Um, it's, I think our system is uh, is simpler to use and and probably more uh, accounting minded than, than those, but, uh, um, but those are the differences, I think. Yeah, and then, um... You know, just as uh, somebody, if you're tracking inventory in QBO, uh, then you know this. We, this really wouldn't. This is not uh, an track inventory that. tool. It's yeah. only only certain with Shopify. I think only Shopify we have cost of goods sold. Maybe there's a couple other platforms we have cost of goods sold in summary format. So we will capture the cost of goods sold on that day as a total as a single number. We will not track individual item inventory. That gets a lot more complex. Um, and in general, it's still better to only do accounting entries into your accounting platform for inventory and not do in individual inventory management in QuickBooks. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, we're coming in for the for the top of the power hour. So we want to ask, you know, thanks for, for, for joining us uh, today, uh, Jason. Uh, would you like to learn more about Bookkeep? Uh, definitely, I've seen a lot of uh, engaging questions uh, thrown in the, the, the chat and, as well as our Q&A. Um, and, and it looks like uh, you do have some fans uh, that, <laughs> that joined you today uh, that are already using uh, yeah. Bookkeep as a, as a solution. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer all the questions in the chat, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of send them to you yeah. uh, post post webinar and if you can uh, but, make, but i should say we'll yeah either you know we'll we'll reach out or or if you're interested obviously you can sign up on our website um and instantly start testing it out and chat with us on the website and we'll happy to do a one-on-one a -on -one demo as well with you if you just come to our website so so anytime and of course, we'll have you back, uh, you know, for a couple more uh, webinars. We'll, we'll think of other, you know, interesting topics uh, that you've uh, you've kind of uh, taken on as as part of the solution. Uh, you know, finding the problem, fixing the solution. Um, yeah. You know, mindset well, and, that you are. And, and you know, COVID just accelerated everybody's move to the e-commerce. So this just continues to be a growing area and it's definitely a complex area. And as more and more people get into it, more and more people discover how complex it is. So Jason, you know, we're glad to have you now. And, and as Dan said, we look forward to having you again more in the future. Um, so thank you again very much for joining us. And Don, thank you for joining us uh, yesterday on the, the recorded vet webinars, as well as in your genius way of joining us via the air today. <laughs> we appreciate it. And Dan, of course, thank you for all you do. And Emily in the background, thank you as well. Absolutely. Thank so we hope, hope hopefully we see you next time on the on the QB Power Hour. 
Uh, next time is the year-end cleanup and books review um, on the 30th of August. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank Thanks, you everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.